So the, the working definition I would use for grief is the response. Grief is the response to an irreversible loss. So in my case, it's death. So I'm grieving the death of my husband. But even before he died, I was grieving the, the loss of normal life. Welcome to Undiscussed, the show where we talk about things Christians should talk about, but often don't. This week, we discuss grief with Suzanne Rozalowski. Welcome to Undiscussed, a podcast where we talk about the things that Christians should talk about, but often don't. My name is Patrick. And I'm Eric. And we are here to discuss the undiscussed. Yeah, and it's not necessarily, as we often say, that nobody talks about these things, but they're often left undiscussed. Or maybe some churches or Christian groups talk about things and others don't. Uh, you know, our goal in this whole thing is to, is to have a conversation, to begin dialogue about these things and to, you know, normalize that, you know, it's normal to talk about the stuff that we uh, bring on the show. Yeah, I sometimes feel like a lot of our problems uh, that we experience uh, as a church or as Christians um, are because of the fact that we don't you know, lean into conversations or don't talk about things because we're afraid that we always have to get things right or to you know say things right the first time. That's not the case. And uh, on this show, we're definitely going to uh, not get things right. <laughs> and uh, we're going to screw some things up. And um, it's not going to be perfect, but uh, perfection isn't the point. The point is starting the conversation. I'm kind of looking forward to some of your mistakes, Pat. Oh, man. And I think you're looking forward to mine as, as well. Five or six planned, and they're doozies, <laughs> and you're going to love numbers three to four. I, I'm looking forward to them for okay. sure. Yeah, we're not experts. We don't pretend to be, but we just like talking about these things. And uh, we realize, we recognize that people get hurt by silence sometimes. And uh, so we want to break that silence. And today we've got with us a very exciting guest. Uh, she's a good friend of both of ours. Her name is Suzanne. Welcome. Hello. And uh, today we're talking about grief and loss and um, sickness and all those sorts of things. And uh, but you know that stuff's kind of heavy. <laughs> Maybe let's uh, let's dive in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm Suzanne. Um, I work for a, a nonprofit Christian organization. I have two children, uh, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And I like you guys, you know, friends with you guys. That's a big part of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so no, no, it's probably the biggest part of my life that no. I'm friends with you guys. No. Um, yeah, and so I lost my husband to cancer uh I guess it's coming up five years actually now. And so um, that's a big part of my story, not something I anticipated, but uh, it just is. It's a big part of who I am, and I kind of embrace it now. What, uh, what, what's maybe a couple funny things that your kids have been doing lately? Uh, they're five and eight, you said? Five and eight. So that's kindergarten and grade three? Grade three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, this morning I overheard Jacob say to Daniel, so Jacob's the older one, he's the, you know, thinks he knows everything. He said to Daniel, 
you know, I didn't ask you um, to try. I asked you to do it. So you just need to do it. Don't tell me just try. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, is that is uh, two parts wise and six parts scary. I know. He's I been was watching like, a bit of Star Wars. That's Yoda, yeah. man. Oh, really? Do or do not. There is no try. But with the sounds with a little bit less empathy, though. No, I know. I was like, I like laughed and also was like, who is this child yeah. that I'm raising? It's like the mean version of Yoda. <laughs> just do it, idiot. <laughs> yeah, which uh, you guys know me listeners might not like i'm so opposed to shaming shaming yeah. people and so i was like oh my oldest child is shaming his <laughs> younger sibling i mean did it work yeah what was daniel's response uh i didn't i don't know actually what he ended up doing i don't even know what the thing was i just heard that little sound bite and i was like oh my gosh you just mourned by yourself in the kitchen probably yeah. and moved on yeah. yeah that's not well i thought it was funny but yeah uh Another funny thing that I've noticed lately is your diet has changed. Mm-hmm. You no longer do the milk and the coffee. It's almond milk. Yes. And so how's that going for you? It's going well. I feel, I like the feeling of no dairy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that right now. <laughs> the sugar is hard. Um, and it's funny, even my kids have the dialogue now. They're like, mom, you can't eat that. That has sugar. Like. Like, I'll do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. When I'm told I can't do something, even if I'm telling myself I can't do it, I get really opposed to it. I'm like, oh, screw yeah. you and me. I'm yeah. just going <laughs> to eat this. Hey, you. Who do you think you yeah. are, me? So I'm like, I'm trying not to eat sugar, too. But if someone's like, oh, you're not, you can't eat sugar. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can. I don't want to. And that's why I'm not doing it. There it's a go. very subtle distinction, but it helps. Mm-hmm. There you go. What else is going on? Are you reading or... I try, actually have been reading more lately. So my, because my kids are older, there's more time in the evening to... They go to bed at a decent time still. They don't go to bed at like 8 or 9, and then my evening is shorter. So they still go to bed at like 7.38. And uh, so I've been uh, actually doing some cool prayer exercises in the evening, kind of exploring, um, yeah, spiritual uh, formation and just like spending some time in, in Jesus' life and just getting to know him through prayer that's one thing that i definitely have appreciated uh about our friendship is you you definitely lean more to that contemplative side Mm. doing you know uh like the examine and you know for those listeners who don't know what the examine is you can uh google it and uh it's a examen it's with an e at the end e-x-a-m-e-n yeah. 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 There you go. And like it's liturgical differently, yeah. Exactly. Liturgical things and yeah, I just really appreciate that about you that you're open to um different expressions of prayer and things. Yeah. And, it's and, more recent. That's that would not have been true for me a few years ago, but anyways, yeah, that's a more recent development. Cool. Yeah. And today uh our topic is grief and I'm interested uh in this conversation because I actually don't know how to talk about grief. Mm. In fact, even when we first met, like knowing you were someone who who had lost their husband, I'm like, how do I interact with someone who's lost their husband at like such a young age? Like, that's crazy. Uh, maybe I'll just ignore it. And no. I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, so, I mean, maybe in opposition to what my normal uh, you know, response to this would have been is to ask you, you know, to, to take us through that time uh, in mm. your life or to walk us through that story uh, of uh, losing Andrew um, to cancer. Sure. Yeah, it, um, it feels like just yesterday, but <clears throat> it also feels like a long time ago. Um, so I'm just going to get back into that experience. So I got married at a young age. I was 22. 
Um, we were like university sweethearts. Kids. Kids. We were just children. Um, and then we had Jacob quite soon after that. Um, I was 24. And then Andrew was first diagnosed with um, leukemia when I was 25. And so that experience was, I mean, you don't ever anticipate sickness really when you're young and a sickness to that degree where it was like uh, upon first diagnosis it was like 30 percent chance of living like i remember having a conversation with someone at church and they're like 30 percent that's great i'm like that is not great that's not good that's 70 <laughs> percent bad yeah. like if you're at a casino maybe like if you're only betting like five ten dollars but if you're like jumping out of a plane and they say 30 percent chance you're going to survive <laughs> He'd lean towards not doing that, That's right? That's right. You're you're not feeling good about that. But, you know, everybody copes differently and you kind of everyone has sort of a different um yeah, reaction to uh, news like that. So Andrew, for example, I just I can even picture him. He's talking to the oncologist. Um so he had had some warning signs coming up to that. He had some like blood clots in his leg and you know, his white blood cells weren't coming back normal and so there was some there was some clues but we still had no idea that this was what was in store for us so when he got the diagnosis he his uh office was in the basement he's talking on the phone he's coming up the stairs he can barely come up the stairs he's just like sobbing and my reaction was just to be like okay we don't know we don't know what we're dealing with like we just let's just like I, I was like it's almost like at that moment it was like okay I know what my role is my role is to like be supportive of him, whatever. He's dealing with the hard thing. And so I need to be strong for him. I need to do whatever he needs. And uh, so that's kind of the approach, or that's kind of the person that I played, I guess, for, for the that first bit. He, uh, so yeah, upon diagnosis, he did treatment for six months and then he was in remission, which means you're like, you don't have any active cancer, but you're not, you're still, it's a funny thing for this disease. It's like you're not you're not cured by any means, um, but you aren't getting active treatment. And so he was in that stage for a year and a half. We had another child, and then he relapsed, and it was five months until he died. And that, those five months were were tough because we just like lived in the hospital. Well, he lived in the hospital for that for all those for all that time. He came home one weekend um, to sleep at home, but. Anyways, that's a lot of information, but that's sort yeah. of the like the facts of the story of the timeline. It's one thing that strikes me as I hear you even say that, I've heard parts of that before, is like, how do you even have time to even know what's going on in the midst of all that? Like mm. the second round, especially like five months, it's like, it's you're just in survival mode, you are, I would imagine. Yeah, it's re and the, the thing that we felt when he relapsed was like, okay, we know this. We can do this. So there was a little bit of comfort in the familiar. But the, the tricky thing was, it was not the same at all. Like, it was much more severe. He didn't, like, the first time, he went into remission after the first month. And then it was like, okay, we're going to keep doing the treatment. But, you know, so he didn't, he never went into remission that second time. He kept getting infection after infection. And it was just, like, it was quite, quite hard. Um, yeah. But you're just, it, it's really... I felt like, okay, we, we just, you kind of come into the bare bones of what you need to like live for. Like you can't, I think for me, I'm such a, like a, I really crave approval from others and I crave like, um, yeah, just being fun and living a good life. And so, you know, having to really prioritize, like bringing it down into the, the bare necessities. Like my husband needs to be cared for. My kids need to survive. Like <laughs> there's yeah. no like... You know, stay away from all the drama. Like, don't concern mm -hmm. yourself with anything that's not going to help 
to help uh, serve those things. So. so was that like a natural override? Did you actually like stop thinking about like yourself in that time? Like, was it hard for you to um, to redirect your energy or was it something that was easy to pour yourself into? For me personally, I think it was, um, I don't know why, maybe the grace of God. I just was able to just focus on what needed to happen. Um, and Andrew was so strong in his faith. And so it was almost like we kind of like, he ministered to me in the spiritual and I ministered to him in the emotional and practical. Like it was like, and I mean, obviously the nurses were yeah, Doing taking care of his body. Yeah. There were other people there <laughs> at different times. And our church was amazing. And I had friends that would like check in with me and stuff. And like, you know, people I had to, like childcare was very significant. I couldn't bring my kids every time to the hospital. And so setting up a system that way, I had a friend that set up the system for that. And so, yeah. What was it like processing it with uh, with your children? I mean, obviously, Daniel, it was, mm-hmm. it was uh, a little bit too young to understand what was going on. But that's a lot for Jacob to, to take. Mm-hmm. How old was he at that time? So he was so he was quite young. He was three and a half when Andrew died. <clears throat> so the first we called it sickness. Daddy has a long sickness because um, he would understand sickness at that point, like colds and stuff like you. You know, you might need to take some medicine, you know, or you. Like, oh, you have to sleep a little bit more because you've got a cold. So I called it a long sickness. That's why daddy's in the hospital. So at 18 months, he could even kind of like somewhat get what was happening. We'd go and visit and yeah. But when he was three and a half, it was more, yeah. I kind of took the approach of like facts are my friend in, in dealing with Jacob. Like I didn't want to sugarcoat things but also make sure that it was like age appropriate the information that i was giving we heard andrew and i both heard from someone a really great parenting advice that um i'll take a minute to explain it there was a dad with his child waiting at the train the train's going to uh like a concentration camp it's during the holocaust and um the suitcase is quite heavy the child is like oh um do you want me to or no no he doesn't ask to carry the suitcase the child asked the father, where are we going? What are we doing? And the dad looks down at the suitcase and is like, that suitcase is really heavy. I don't think my child could carry that. This um, this information, if I give it to its full extent, is way too heavy for my child to carry. So I don't even know what he ended up telling the child. That's just like an illustration. And so I internalized that to be like, okay, Jacob deserves to have the facts, but in an age-appropriate way. I'm not going to say, like, mommy's scared that dad's going to die, and I don't know when he's going to (laughs) die. And, like, I'm scared the treatment's not going to work. I'm scared he won't have a father. (laughs) Like, that's too much for him to carry at that time. So we just, I just use, like, little kid terms for long sickness, and, you know, it was, the converse, the hardest part with Jacob, actually, was the conversation, well, multiple conversations after Andrew died. Because the first, so, you know, I've just experienced, like, the biggest loss in my life. And um, he died on a Monday. And I, I don't think I ended up telling Jacob until Wednesday. Because he had been, Andrew had been in the ICU for a whole week. And so I had been going to the ICU without the kids because the kids couldn't come. So they had kind of gotten into that routine that I have left the house. You're not coming with me. So... I was like, okay, I'm going to internalize that, or I'm just going to sit with this for a couple of days because it's like, it's not a rush for him because he, that was the benefit. That was such a grace for me that he's three and a half. He doesn't understand time. Like he's not going to be 
you know, finding out like, what? Like, you didn't tell me the day he died, like, you know? So I gave myself a little bit, but you know, I had to write it out. I'm like, this is what I need to communicate to him because kids are always concerned about, well, with anything tragic, like a divorce or loss, like, did I cause it? Can I catch it? Who's going to care for me? So I tried to cover those things. And yeah, so the first time that I told Jacob, again, I had written it out um, and I, I had, I asked my mom to be there just to be in the same room, just for support for me. And actually having her there made me realize, okay, I just need to be strong in this, like just lay out the facts. And so I managed to get through that without like breaking down or anything. Like I didn't want to, I wanted to be fair to him. Like, I know it's not always possible and in grief, you just have to like be however you need to be and just trust God that that's just how it's got to be. But I had a, I had a really strong value on not breaking down in front of my children more in the sense of like i don't want to put something on them that's too much um not that i didn't want to show real emotion it's more that i just didn't want them to be afraid and scared like is mom okay like do i have to like look out for mom too like i just lost my dad and now i need to look after my mom like i was really conscious of that so the first time was fine i didn't i didn't cry i didn't and i was like in the in the little thing that I was reading, I was like, if you you know, however you need to be, like you know, if if you're sad, you be sad. You know, if you don't feel sad and you and you're wondering why don't I feel sad, that's okay. Like whatever you feel is okay. And if you have any questions, like you can always ask me. And so I said, does that make sense to you, Jacob? And he was like, yeah, yeah, he's three and a half, right? Like he doesn't. So I in my I even knew in the moment I'm like, oh, he doesn't really get it. And I like in the moment I was like, this is gonna be a recurring conversation for a long time. And it has been true like over the 5 years like there's been many conversations like reinforcing the same things. So what does that look like? Is it like the same question over and over again or is it like asking like a same question from different angles? Yeah, that's a good question. Like it's it's varied. It's like looking at one thing from all different angles. The the kids are trying to make sense of of the this really heavy reality. So the second time for example, the second time that I talked to him about it, we were like, I, I've made a habit of laying down with my kids um, before they go to sleep. We pray together, we talk, whatever. And uh, so we, we were talking about it and I said, I, don't, I think I was reinforcing the same things. And the thing that Jacob picked up on is we can't go back to the hospital and see daddy because that was his routine. So death didn't make sense to him. But that we couldn't, like, so he was like, what do you mean? I can't go back to the hospital and see daddy. And so then I was just like, oh my gosh, this is like. You're like, okay, I'm about to break rule number one. I'm about to cry in front of you. Exactly. I was like, oh my gosh. But I I managed to just like, you know, look quiet, like one tear on one side, yeah. the other the other eyes clear. Yeah. Just lean your head one way, drain all the tears out. The... That's right. You get strategic in how yeah. you uh, express your emotion. But anyways, that's so that, and then, you know, we've talked a lot about like what happened, you know, from a Christian perspective, I, I always wanted them to sort of have the Christian perspective that, you know, your body dies and your body's buried, but like your spirit is still alive. And in the case of daddy, like he's with Jesus right now. And my kids have a, what's really cool is my kids have a really neat perspective on the resurrected body because their dad is in heaven and his they know his body is buried but he's gonna have a new body he's not gonna be sick he's like you know they're gonna get to see daddy like so it's cool and and for me personally it's cool because andrew 
loved talking about the new heavens and the new earth. Like he, he preached a sermon at our church on, um, heaven and like was really passionate. He's like, heaven is more real than this, like here, everything that's good here. It's like so much better. So I feel like it kind of honors him a bit that we talk about or that it's just naturally been things that he was passionate about. Yeah. And it must've been different too with, um, with Daniel, cause he had an entirely different experience. He probably doesn't remember no. anything about it, but I know you guys like talk about him often. And even, uh, me and my wife were there uh, at your place and Daniel pulled Ellie up to show him his mm. forts and was like, that's a picture of my dad. And you know, he was showing it just so happy about it. What was it like walking through it with him? Uh, as well yeah he's he's almost like at this point he's still young he's five i'm sure when he gets older he'll feel the loss of not having a dad i think it's more for him it's less a connection to andrew and more like that he doesn't have a dad the concept yeah and i mean i try and kids are so resilient and so funny and how they do memories like even andrew or jacob some of his memories of andrew are not actually true memories. They're just things that I've shared. And he's just kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that when, when it's like... Before I was born. Yeah. And it's cool for me because I don't care. Like I, to me, it's like I've learned in this, in the grief and loss process that like life is a little, it's less black and white and more like, well, if it's not a true memory, then it's not a, that's useless or whatever. It's like, no, it's it's important for him to make a connection with like with his dad and yeah so yeah so as we're just talking about the loss and we've kind of mentioned grief um i wonder if you can comment like like grief kind of hit you like a cement truck Mm -hmm. and you were it was unavoidable right but how did you process like what did it look like for you and and can you talk about like kind of common experiences in grief Mm. i mean i would even uh, just ask before that like do you have a functioning definition that you use for grief like what is like what do you what is grief right in Um, the first place i have a better definition for loss i think Okay. Well, let's hear your bad Which definition is... of, of grief <laughs> and your great definition of loss. Okay. Let me start with loss then, because maybe that'll get to grief. Uh, tissue. Do you want one? Sure. Yeah. So the, the working definition I would use for grief is the response. Grief is the response to an irreversible loss. So in my case, it's death. So I'm grieving the death of my husband. But even before he died, I was grieving the the loss of normal life like we when you have a very serious sickness or even like like i have friends that just struggle with chronic chronic um pain or chronic issues there's grief involved there because it's a loss of what you had before um like even like seniors are grieving their bodies are deteriorating um so they could be they could be denying that grief um, but grief is a response to irreversible, irreversible loss. And one thing that I've learned from you through this, you know, knowing you and watching you through this process is like, we as a culture are just so bad at grief mm. because we don't recognize loss. And, you know, there are small losses, like, you know, my grocery store stopped carrying my favorite brand of chips. <laughs> <laughs> and, th- and then there are big losses, yeah. right? And yeah, like I, I struggle with chronic illness and I remember one time uh, I came out of my bedroom and my kids, 
I don't know how old they were at that time. They were playing in a, a makeup game, an imagination game. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? And uh, my son was like, oh, dad, we're playing a uh, hospital waiting room. Hmm. And I was like, oh, and it's like, yeah, like when we go to all your hospital visits and we sit in the waiting room and we wait and it's like, we're playing a game. And Ella's, and I was just like, oh my goodness, my kids are creating a game out of like my hospital visits. And I'm like, oh, it just like, it broke my heart because I was like, the number of times like I've had to say no to things that they want to do or like I just don't have the energy or and they're like well my friends parents do this or that and it's like th- those are losses too mm-hmm. yeah that expands even my understanding of grief maybe the average person has a better understanding of grief but like I don't realize that you grieve things like throughout your entire life I always associate it as like oh you lose someone mm-hmm. and they're gone and like grief is just the emotion that you feel but it actually expands like to even more trivial things. Like I do grieve when things aren't carried in stores because like I'm, you know, Costco does this to me like every single week. You go back and it's not there. Or even like, again, not to trivialize it, but like we're going through, you, like we have a new puppy and I will mention it on every podcast that I can. It's your goal. Every episode. But like we're, we, even, we willfully bought it, but we're going through like a process of grieving. Like, oh, we can't like, actually have a house this the same way that we wanted it to be because like we have to account for this dog eating all the things that we love and peeing on the couch that we love so we're grieving the loss of like enjoying a great couch or like having our things out and they're like they're small little things but like i'm recognizing even now like oh like we're going through that process of like hmm, life's not the same and you just have to feel those emotions and it, it kind of helps to like broaden even the term to understand that we actually we all grieve day to day it just looks different and we deny. So I think that there's there's lots of coping mechanisms, especially as a Western culture, when it comes to emotions in general. Like yeah. I think that we, first of all, we don't like pain. I think that's a human experience. You don't want to actually sit in pain. So then you can't have empathy for someone else in pain. You do want to just like avoid it or like fix it because it's like it's way too uncomfortable. But I think that like the examples that you guys have given are like real examples. And I think we just try and like, minimize it or um, like sometimes it has to come into its rightful place. But I think that for me personally, I, because I experienced such extreme loss, I would say, um, it's it's given me permission to be like, okay, life is, there are challenges in life. There's like joys and there's pain. And like, I can't cut myself off and like um, deny myself the experience of walking through pain in a in a healthy way. And that means not numbing and not minimizing. Yeah, I'm a fixer for sure. Like if there's something wrong, like big stain on the couch, my wife is like, oh, we can never enjoy this couch the way that we want to ever again. And I'm like, no, we're going to fix it. And then I go and I'm like, you know, you get it fixed or you, you clean the stain and it's fine. And then something else breaks. I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix it. And the in the instances where I can't, I actually feel like a failure because I'm like, oh, I I want to be the one to like repair this and like irreversible loss is the the grief, right? So like confronting something that you can't fix and you can't like put back together is just devastating for me personally. And that touches exactly on what I was thinking as Suze was sharing there, that giving yourself permission to feel the pain is something that I think our culture really struggles with. Um, because 
we want to avoid the pain. We like there's just it's so many layers. Yeah, pain is bad, and that's yeah. just like that's black and white to our culture. Yes. Yeah. yeah but it, it, yeah, learning the process of giving myself permission to feel the pain, to uh, grieve the loss, to be sad. Like I think that's sometimes that the reason we can't get over things or that there's such trauma and loss and so on is because we don't give it the place that it that it needs. Mm -hmm. And I think I know even for me, even though I've experienced something more like defined, I guess, as grief and loss, I still want to take pain away from other people. That's not, it's actually kind of arrogant or like. To believe that you can or it's your place. Yeah, or... and to, and it's like God has given them. <clears throat> God has like. Whether, whatever, however you want to look at it theologically, if it's like he's allowed it or he's given it, like, I don't want to get into that debate, but it's that, like... That's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> it's just true in their lives. And so it's like having that respect for the other person to be like, you know, they, they need to sit in that pain a little bit. And do obviously you want to see it in a healthy way. And like, I've personally have, have, have dealt with grief in healthy ways and unhealthy ways. And like, I'd like to think it's more healthy than unhealthy, but I don't know. I saw a counselor to like <laughs> to get extra help that way. So, <laughs> how did your Christian community? Um, you said that your church was amazing and it's come around you, and I've heard stories from you. But I just wonder if you can comment, like, what were the really positive parts of mm. your Christian community in helping you deal with grief and loss and sickness and even you know your experiences mostly around the Andrew, but you could talk about other things as well. Sure. Yeah, I think the nice thing about my church community and my like Christian friends um, was that somehow, I don't know, again, it could just be God's grace, his provision that there seemed to be a lot of educated people on loss and grief. And that like, even I had people along the way say like, you know, people are going to ask you what they can do to help. It's really, um, it's so beautiful when people say, I can do this. That's just like a burden. Like, so I can bring you muffins at this time and yeah. you can say yes or no. Yeah. I know you want muffins now. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, and they're like, that's just a gift because that is just clear. You don't have to, because that's one thing in, in loss. You just, you the decision making, or at least I found for me, the ability to make decisions is so limited because you're just overwhelmed. And so when someone gives you the gift of making a decision for you or giving you the opportunity to clearly say yes or no, it's like, great. But if that's not provided for you, I had some people help me be like, okay, this is what you can do. You can just give, you know, clear, clear parameters on this is what I want. I need you to come look after my kids so yeah. I can. And I felt kind of funny about that, but having friends and church that were like, no, you just need to be clear. People just want to help you. And so just say, I need, I had people come and sleep over at my house. Um, I had a sleepover schedule because wow. I was feeling, Andrew's at the hospital, I had two young vulnerable. kids. I felt very vulnerable. And I'm not usually someone who's like scared in the night that something's gonna happen with my kids, but I was when, actually up until this last year, um, that was just true for me. And so I had even like pretty clear instructions for people that slept over like, um, and it made someone mad actually. They actually weren't a Christian. and. <laughs> I was like, I just had to get over that because they're like, that's not who you are. Like, it was like, please come. 
I don't want to like Suzanne the person that helped me wrote it out and was like Suzanne doesn't want to have a conversation um she's just gonna put her kids to bed and go upstairs and so if you could just go downstairs they, they slept over in the basement go downstairs in the basement do a load of laundry um and do then and then yeah make yourself at home but then in the morning get up and leave <laughs> wow that's like an introvert's dream huh? it's just, it's <laughs> and great. i am i am introverted <laughs> yeah. and so especially in in the time of grief and loss I'm so much more compromised in my in my emotional and um, relational energy, and so that was a gift to me. Well, and that's a burden that people very often have to carry as a person going through grief is helping other people just get the information because mm-hmm. they care, they want to know yeah. how's, how's Andrew, how's his treatment, and it's just like yeah. So, so I had I had the practical helps that's like anyone going through this would just like dream of, right? Like. It was it was fantastic. Hmm. What what other ways did your church and Christian friends help? We're gonna get to the the not help. Yeah, I have a few of those. Um, <laughs> so there was a lot of people praying. A lot of people. Andrew, his uh, desire was to which this was a gift to me as well. He kept people up to date on Facebook. Yeah, he had a blog. And he had a blog, and he would he would constantly update Facebook with his status and so some of that was eliminated like what's up with Andrew Andrew just freely wanted to do like give that information and it blessed him and it blessed others so that was just a gift but then that helped there was so many people praying the organization that I worked for at that time uh, the president was like sent out emails to churches across the country and they were praying it was like oh my gosh it was such a such a gift um, yeah I had some closer friends it's like in my experience, people just kind of fell into their roles. It was just naturally. Just naturally. So people kind of knew. I had some very administrative, organized friends that took over the practical part. And then I had a small group that I was part of that was just like, they just knew that I could come and I could just cry. Like I could just, like, I just need to be sad right now. Or like, I've held it all together and like, this is my time that I can just feel what I need to feel. And they would just be there and, and sit with me in that. So that was like... I feel like that's unheard of in this, even in Christian community, I feel like that was like such a gift that I received. I've also, I've had some friends uh, experience loss really close to them too. And I know for them, it was always helpful to have like someone who was kind of an advocate who like spoke on their behalf. So like, mm-hmm. like someone's dying and they're like, okay, when they die, like, can you be the one to communicate with people? Because I don't want to have to text yes. every person uh, and do that. And I remember like, that's just one of those concrete things where I've realized when, when that happens, I'm like, oh, okay. Would you like me to help? Like, you know, spread the word. Uh, did you have people like that uh, as well? Yeah, that- I would put that in the the practical like I had, I mean, Andrew planned his funeral, so I didn't have the... <laughs> the of course he did. <laughs> He's like, I was like, this sermon, and uh, this person's going to preach it. Oh. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. This is maybe a story for another time. But uh, yeah, those practical things, huge. they're huge. The, yeah, whatever can be taken away, that is something that has to be thought through. I mean, obviously, the reality of the situation, though, too, when you're experiencing a big loss and grief, response to that is like you just have a lot and it's just going to be a lot so even if those practicals are taken away you still just have a lot yeah and sadly we all fall down and aren't always as helpful as we want to be i wonder if you could share 
maybe just even in principle form, some things that was hard mm-hmm. about your Christian community um, and maybe some practical tips for people. Yeah, th- that story that I mentioned before about the 30%, th- that probably is the theme and it's called minimizing <laughs> and uh, and not reading cues. <laughs> but again... So maybe take those one at a time and unpack them. Yeah, so that one, um, the 30% chance, that's good. If that doesn't match my feeling, um, it's annoying. Now, is annoying a big deal? Like, it's like, we're going to make mistakes. There has to be grace for everybody. But um, anytime you hear yourself saying, well, at least you know you're minimizing and you're you're just going to uh, not give it the uh, value and attention that it that whatever the circumstance deserves. Um, I had someone else say to me, so Andrew was, like I said before, posting on Facebook and he was just like, he would share scripture. He would share the ups and the downs. He, it was just, again, a lot of it was for him, but also to let the people in his, his life know what's happening and encourage him and pray for him. But I had somebody at church come up to me and be like, I see Andrew's posts. How's he really doing? And I was like, I want to throw up on you because huh. <laughs> you <laughs> should have response. <laughs> because I was like, what? What do you mean? How is he really doing? Yeah, the implication that he's like lying, like lying, yeah. or like putting on a front or something. Mm-hmm. He couldn't possibly like be experiencing what he's experiencing the way he is. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like called minimizing, or if that's like, I don't know what category I'd put that into. But uh, you talked yeah. about reading social cues. Some of us are better than others yeah. at that, but like, how, what was your experience with that? Yeah, I have thought, uh, even as I interact with people that ex- have are experiencing grief right now, that like church lobby, for example, is a really hard place to have any sort of meaningful conversation with someone that's like helpful. Um, sometimes it is like some, but sometimes all that's required is just like a hug and like I'm praying for you or like. Um, or just like acknowledge them there and then like maybe write an email or a message. Like, I think the thing is, to, I, I personally want to f- sort of have a, a principle that it's like um, respecting what the environment would call for. And then, so if you're not like in a, you're not having a coffee date or you're not like an intimate part of that person's life, then it's really like, what can you do? You, you should just write an email, write a card. Um, yeah, you could acknowledge them, but there's not going to be much more than that that you could do. The, the The blessing of grief and loss is that we are experiencing suffering in the sense that we get to know Christ. Like as long as we don't like fight it and numb it and like it, it, it really is like a, like, it's like my spiritual director will say, loneliness is God's shortcut to your heart. It's like, it is to draw you to him and to know him deeper. Yeah. And Not that what, he like makes you have it and he hates you. It's like, that's one of those things that like, I, I think of often if someone's going through something, like I deeply believe that like pain isn't always bad and that good can come out of like, you know, hurt and difficult situations. But when I come up to someone 
and tell them that when they're going through pain and they don't want to oh, hear it. Oh, no way. That's like, oh, like, oh, your good can come from this. Like, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like, so someone else I know who lost her husband, someone said, like, I wonder how many people will come to faith because of your husband's death. And she was like, I don't flipping care who comes to Christ. My husband just died. Yeah, in that moment. It's like, like, what a... Please never talk to me ever again. <laughs> like, there can be, you can say true things in the worst possible way. Yeah. And sometimes not saying those true things is the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm thinking of two stories about my one of my best friends his wife was going through cancer and like to my everlasting shame I like tried to crack a joke when he told me to like make light of the situation because it was really uncomfortable and I was like I will never live that one down mm. but in the same time I know that one of the things that was helpful for her was people after the fact, like not making a joke right when they find out they have cancer, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. but like being normal yeah. and just like we can still have a normal relationship. Every conversation we have doesn't have to be about my chemo and, right. and everything. And, you know, there's sometimes a gift that you can give people is just being the same person you were before um, they, the other person experienced this loss or whatever. Yeah. I would say that, like, for me, normalcy is one of the things that I usually think I try and bring to the table. Mm -hmm. But I even I feel like a little bit conflicted about that because, like, for example, my sister goes through a lot with like a ton of allergies and panic attacks and anxiety and all that kind of thing. And when I'm with her, I'm kind of just her brother. Like, regardless of what the situation is, I try and just be, you know, normal. And that, like, even in some certain situations, like, I'll like just make fun of her or something just because it's like, uh, like this is what we do. This is how we are. And I. I think that brings her comfort um, just based in like on the vibe and, you know, like just our relationship. But like, for example, in your situation, I that's kind of like what I in my head. I'm like, oh, like this person, she lost her husband very young. That's probably devastating. Even now, like, I don't know how I would be processing that. Do I come in and just be like, hey, like, nice to meet you. Also, sorry about your husband. Mm -hmm. Or do I just treat you like, you know, Yo, you're a new coworker and uh, like we're friends now. And right. that's the kind of the, the way that I. I chose to take it, but what, like, would it be more helpful to just acknowledge the truth of the situation and, like, you know, be in it or to treat it and give the other person the opportunity to bring it, like, bring it up or to, you know, start th that conversation? Yeah, I think natural is best. Natural wins, I think. So it's like, you can't really prescribe these things. Like, I've experienced the benefit of both, of both people just, like, being real human beings that we you know, go through the mundane things of life together. And that takes my mind off things. And I've also experienced like, um, a friend of mine, her daughter, we went over for dinner and after we left, her daughter came out and said, I'm so sorry, your dad died. Like, and, and my friend was texting saying like, I'm so sorry about that. And I was like, you know what? That was such a gift So genuine to acknowledge the reality of the situation. But like I said, like, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with you, Pat, like, obviously you've done a good job. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't feel like I didn't know. <laughs> you haven't messed it up too bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, it's probably case by case, person by person. Yeah, and I think people are gonna screw up no matter what. Right? Yeah, like I think that's yeah. the the situation is I can try my best in every situation to um, to help someone who's grieving or to yeah. try and like enter into that, and I'm probably gonna mess it up, um, and I'm gonna feel like an idiot, and they're probably gonna think that I'm an idiot, 
And I think just giving yourself the grace to screw up. And I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't true, but I feel like if you like just try and put forward your, like your best effort to love somebody in that scenario. And if they don't, then take that as a learning lesson and move on and try and do better tomorrow. Yeah. I think the the reason why people get so scared, I've experienced myself, even though I've experienced loss, I've butchered so many interactions with people that have also experienced loss. And I think because we know it's like serious or it feels like this person's experiencing great suffering, you don't want to add more to their plate. You know that intuitively, we all just want to like help each other out. And so it is good to hear that, to just try, right? And just like recognize you're not going to get it right all the time. And I think for me, because I'm such a high empath, what didn't help me was when people would interact with me and show me too much of how they were struggling. Like if they were struggling with Andrew's loss, sometimes it was helpful. And sometimes I was like, I can't help you. I have my own. <laughs> or like other people are just like, what would happen if my husband died? And I was like, I don't know. I can't help you with that. Yeah. Like, so it, it's, I think that's more because I, I, if I could, if I had the energy, I'd want to empathize and I'd want to serve someone. So, so that's, person, that's more personal, I think. Than, so I have a small confession to make uh, to our listeners I think I was one of those people <laughs> you were one <laughs> like I remember um at the visitation at the funeral home like wanting to go and like be supportive and I was like I got my emotions in check like I'm good mm. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna help Suze and I had like this whole like plan mm. of like being supportive and encouraging and I got there and I just lost it and Aww. was just like crying through the whole thing and I remember coming up to, you know, where you were standing and I was talking with your sister and like we were cracking jokes because it wasn't serious yet, right? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you came up and you're like, what's everybody laughing at? And I like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm laughing. And like, I didn't know what to do. And I like felt like I was a moron and oh, I'm like no. weeping. And like, I remember telling you that story and you're like, well, I didn't even remember. Yeah, I didn't. And I think even for the, even for visitation, I personally felt like this isn't my time. This is, which is weird, because like you're the wife of the person that died. You're like the number one. You're like the closest one to the, number the one. loss. Yeah. Like okay, um, but I was like, this isn't my time to grieve. This is like everyone else's. Like I've got years. Hmm. This is the time that other people can come and uh, and sort of. Yeah, I've never thought about time. it that way. You're so I'm just wise, like a kind Suze. person, you know, I'm like, you know what? Well, because I, I always feel so awkward uh, at visitations and at funerals. And I think I like death. This is going to sound weird. Death hits me hard. Like I really, even if it's the person, like I don't know the person. Yeah. I go to a funeral and I'm consumed by like this person has lost someone in their life. And I, something particular about it just always like gets me. But I don't know how to like interact in the best way that would be good for the person receiving it. Mm-hmm. So I just end up being like really like stiff and uncomfortable, and uh, like I'll give a hug or something. But I don't really know what to say. Like right. I'm sorry for your loss. Just even seems so like trite or like oh yeah, it sucks. It just seems I don't like know. it's not I, enough. I can't think of anyone who really likes a visitation though. So it's just yeah. awkward, right? Yeah, I guess it's, so. I mean, if you like visitations, you should probably do some self examination. But <laughs> I was, or maybe you're in you're in like the funeral home world which is like god bless those people my dad but, was and he's, oh really he had a dark sense of humor it helped but um <laughs> he uh yeah he, he did well i guess yeah. i don't know <laughs> like, well you know once again we've benefited from your experience and your grace and and your wisdom on this Suze. i, I just wonder we always give our our guests the last word okay uh so 
It can wow. be any word you want. Pick the funniest well, one you can think of. That's a, that's a bit of a lie because we close out the show. But but you get the last word on the top. Okay. Idea. Last idea. Last so idea. is there something that you you would share about that was helpful for you personally mm. or like a principle for people when they're dealing with others who have experienced loss or grief? Um, you can talk about anything. I think that the... Maybe the hope that I would want to give to someone, both the person in loss and or in grief and those that are seeking to come alongside is that um, there it is a grace disguise. That's what the book is book that I mentioned before is called. It's like there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is like um, the gift of becoming a more almost whole person, like um, going through pain helps you as long as you're you're dealing with it in a some like mostly healthy way there's going to be bumps and nobody's doing anything perfectly but the gift of knowing Jesus more in suffering is i would not trade for anything um now if you said that to me in that first year or even like last year i'm 5 years out um i would not be happy with you because you can't short circuit the process and I think that um, for those that are coming alongside someone else in grief that I think is a helpful thing to to remember both the truth that there is hope there is joy um, in the process but that you can't you can't short circuit it you have to actually you can't go over it can't go under it gotta go through it (laughs) as one of those going on bear hunt book talks about so trust the process yeah Well, thank you so much, Suze, for being here. I appreciate your wisdom and your grace and your experience and the courage that you have in sharing that with us. That can't be easy, making you relive all those painful memories especially. And uh, thank you to our listeners for uh, being with us today. Uh, Catch you next time when we talk more about things that are left undiscussed. This episode of Undiscussed was produced by Patrick Erskine and Eric Humphrey. Editing done by Ben Skinner and the music was produced by Ian Post. Go to p2c.sh undiscussed to find more episodes, show notes, and information about our podcast. That's p2c.sh undiscussed. Also, remember to subscribe if you like what you hear, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at UndiscussedPod, all one word. If you've got feedback for us, don't leave it undiscussed. <laughs>